they are not taken away from spirituality as a thing, but then mental health is also something that we also have to look on its own and make sure that it's something that is taken care of by our people. Welcome to Return to Source, a podcast where we explore culture and creativity, healing and heritage. I'm your host, Araba Oforiakwa. It's my intention to take you on a journey of discovering how ancestral knowledge can help my guests, me and you live well and live out our divine destinies. Ready? Let's go. This week, I speak to Caleb Mensah-Bonsu, who is a co-founder of The Travel Clan and Talk To Me. He's a travel enthusiast who cares about making sure that Africa is seen in its true light and also about helping people with their mental and emotional health. It was a really interesting conversation. I learned a lot and I hope you do too. Okay, so hello, hello, Caleb, and welcome to Return to Source podcast. How are you? Hi, Arva. I'm doing awesome, and thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming on. So we're going to get started straight away with the same first question I ask every single guest who comes on the show, and that is, which aspect of your heritage has had the greatest influence on your work? Wow, this is a very interesting question. And I think um, that would definitely be the culture of my heritage, you know. Um, I believe culture has played such a huge part in what I do and who I am now. So that is what has the most influence in my life in every aspect. Mm, Okay, and tell us a little bit about your culture. So um, I am an Ashanti man. Um, Both parents are Ashantis. And um, if you... If you've ever met an Ashanti person, you know we are very proud of where we are from and we're very proud of our culture. Um, We were raised to respect everyone, to notwithstanding your position in life. Like, I relate to you just as I relate to the other person. And we have a a matrilineal system. So women are are very important to us. Like, my mom is my everything. My sisters, I love them to death. Oh. That doesn't mean I don't love the men in my life, like my father and my brothers. <laughs> but <laughs> women are very important to us because like, they hold so much power in my culture. So that's a bit about okay. the Ashanti people. Okay, interesting. And were you raised in Kumasi or have you always been in Accra? So um, I was raised mostly in Accra, but I visited home. I mean, I visited Kumasi a lot. Um, almost like every other vacation or holiday. Mm-hmm. I, I could I just couldn't wait to go back and see family and just experience life back home. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think um, you know, Ashantis are so interesting because I feel like compared to other um ethnic groups in Ghana and you know, West Africa as a whole, I feel like they've really managed to maintain a lot of the tradition associated with uh with the culture and you know a lot of things that people think of as quote-unquote african are actually right. ashanti so for right. example like obviously everyone knows kente cloth and that's right. something that is from the ashanti people and then right. also adinkra symbols even though you know technically i guess adinkra symbols are akan rather than specifically ashanti you know it's still from the same subgroup so i think it's really interesting that ashanti people have not just kept hold of their culture but also managed to share and export it in a way 
Yeah, yeah, and I totally agree. Um, even when you come to Ghana or whenever you visit, the first thing they say is Akwaba, which is something from mm -hmm. my people. So as I said, yeah. Ashantis are very proud people in terms of our culture. And wherever we find ourselves on this earth, we're going to make sure we represent. So I think mm. it's, it's very important as people from any tribe or wherever that they're very proud of where you're from and make sure you represent. Because then again, there are languages and cultures getting extinct all the time. And I don't think that's ever going to happen to the Ashantis. So yeah, mm. I totally agree. Mm, nice. Okay, so um, talk to us a little bit about the work that you do and how your Ashanti culture comes through in that work. Okay, so um, this is a very difficult question to answer because like, I'm a very multi-passionate person, so I delve in a couple of things. On one hand, yeah. I have a travel company with um, my co-founder, who is Nigerian, but was born and raised in Ghana. And in terms of my culture, you should know, and people also know that Ashanti's are also very uh, travelers. We, we deal in a lot of business, so we move around a lot too. I've always had this um, passion and this passion to travel, this intrigue, like what's outside, what's out there, what, what else is mm -hmm. in this world? So um, um, I've always been wanting to move outside and see what's happening. And that started as a hobby or a passion, then it became a business and that passion is still mm -hmm. alive and they still have that on that side. On the other hand, um, as I said, we are kind of very proud people, so we don't really talk much about our feelings. So during mm -hmm. my program just last, this year, um, me and some co-founders also from Nigeria, I don't know why I always partner with Nigerian people, but <laughs> we decided to start this um, platform to help um, Africans express themselves when it comes to their mental and emotional well-being, and mm -hmm. like a safe space for them to talk, you know, because as uh, a people, as a continent, um, our mental health isn't something that is really spoken about or something that's really taken mm -hmm. seriously. Um, mm. The attribute to spirituality, as soon as you mentioned, like you, you don't feel yeah. good, you know, like go and pray, yeah. you're going to do, yeah. Exactly. So, go to church. <laughs> right, go to church. Have you prayed today? So um, we are not taken away from spirituality as a thing, but then mental health is also something that we also have to look on its own and make sure that mm -hmm. it's something that is taken care of by our people. So that's also an enterprise. I'm starting with my co-founders to um, create a safe space for them to meet trained and licensed professionals and also like self-care stuff if they're not yet comfortable to speak to people about their problems, just to help them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's obviously such interesting work, but it's also so interesting because, um, you know, we talk about aspects of our culture and our upbringing that have helped us. And then right. there are obviously, of course, those areas that have maybe hindered us. When it right. comes to mental health, it's really interesting because, as you said, in Ghana and, you know, other parts of Africa, there is this tendency to dismiss mental health challenges. Right. And again, people will say, you know, people of maybe our parents' generation might say something like, oh, you know, mental mental health, that's not something that's in our culture. That's a white person's thing. But right. what's interesting is if you actually look further back in our, in our culture, in our tradition, 
it was very normal for people to have, um, you know, emotional problems, mental health problems. But what more often happened was that they would be seen to or attended to by the traditional healer or by Mm. the community elders or the whole community would come together to support them. So it's not that we never had those challenges, it's that they were approached in a different way. And we seem to Mm. have lost that traditional approach to the challenge. So it's really interesting when people say, oh, mental health challenges are not part of our culture, you know? I totally agree. I totally agree. And it's something I hadn't really thought of in that regard. But I totally agree because, as you said, um, back in the day, um, even when you have issues, you either go see elders or a healer or like, you know, maybe Africans in general are very... um, community centric like we believe we help each other so i totally agree i think it's something that got lost along the line and i think it would be great if we go back to that where we can talk about our issues with people who are let's say designated to help us with them yeah and not just attribute everything to spirituality because sometimes i just need someone to talk to you know it doesn't have to do it like my supreme being or anything so yeah i totally agree with you yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like the app that you're putting together, Talk To Me, is going to bring back some of that community element, you know, by making it easier for people to connect with professionals. But also, in a way, you know, sometimes it's not that we don't want to talk to anyone, it's that we don't really know where to go or we don't like. I think something you mentioned to me in the past is that sometimes people don't want to be seen walking into a psychiatric hospital, for example. So I think it's really great that your app is bringing that community spirit, but making it more accessible by putting it on people's phones, basically. Right, right. Thank you so much. And that is exactly what we are aiming for, to be able to get the help and get the support you need right in the privacy of wherever you are and also Mm. not feel alone. Strangely, or coincidentally, I just chanced upon um, a tweet yesterday. I I think it's a Bernard um, account, but the person was like just pouring her heart out on Twitter. And one thing she kept Mm. saying in her tweet was that she knows no one is gonna read this and no one really Mm. cares about what she's going through. And it really hit me because like, I'm very passionate about it. So I tweeted back at her and said, hey, I've read you and I hear you and you don't have to go through this alone. So if there is like a platform just like Talk To Me is trying to do and people can easily go on there and just unload all these things, maybe it might not have all the answers for you now, but then just being heard goes a long way for you to know that you also matter. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's exactly it, just being heard and knowing that someone hears you, even if they don't exactly understand that they at least hear you and they understand you know, that you're going through something, even if they can't understand exactly what it is. Right, yeah. So talk to me, this uh, this business idea came about through your time on the MEST Accelerator program, right? Yes, it did, it did. Um, that was like a very in- interesting and exciting time in my life. Yeah, so, uh, so tell us about it. What, what is MEST and what was it like? Okay, so MEST is a software entrepreneurship program or institution, and they have different programs. But the program I was um, enrolled in was the Entrepreneur in Training program. 
where we bring um, over 50 or close to like 51 people across Africa in one place where we live together, we work together. And basically at the end of the day, um, they just help you through the entrepreneurship um, process, like help you to build your own company. You find co-founders there, you have like fellows or like professionals you can easily get support and advice from. And at the end of the day, you pitch your idea or the business that you've built to investors, you, you get funding and you hit the ground running. So basically it's just a program that helps Africans come together um, despite wherever you're from to build tech businesses. Mm. And what was yeah. it like being in that community of like 50 different Africans from different countries, different cultures, yeah. all coming together to live in Ghana for, I think it was, was it a year that yeah, you guys were all together? Yeah, it's a year yes. program, but yeah. Yeah, what was that like, you know, just being in that space with all these, um, you know, different Africans, different cultures, different experiences? What was it like? Um, yeah, as I said earlier, I think Africa or Africans are very community-centered. Um, it, it was very interesting. I think that's the right word um, I want to <laughs> describe it. It was very interesting because as much as we're different in some aspects were also the same in other aspects so um for instance food wise yeah the nigerians were complaining about our food but then there were some <laughs> things we ate here that they were they also ate back in nigeria um the uh, what do you call the liberian so it, it was very interesting because it was like in one space i get access to almost the whole Africa without leaving Accra. Like I had a mm. Liberian friend and he was telling me all about Liberia. I, I was learning like Liberian pigeon. Um, the Nigerian oh, wow. telling me, this team me about Lagos and we actually planning a road trip to Nigeria in November. The Cameroonian oh, nice. teaching me some French and telling me about their culture. So it was a very interesting and fun moment. And we built a community. Now we have like a community of 51 people that wherever I am on the continent, I know I can reach out to someone from my mess community and they're going to be there for mm. me because we built that community. So it was a very interesting and interesting um, program. And I think anyone that has the opportunity should really get into it and like take advantage of it. Mm. That's so interesting that being in that space, you are able to see both the differences and the similarities between different African cultures. Right. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's also something that you've experienced with your travel business, like when you travel to different areas, uh, whether within Ghana or outside Ghana, do you also get that same kind of thing where you're like, oh, this is just like Accra, but at the same time, this is totally different? Yeah, I do get that a lot. I do get that a lot. And I think that is one thing that keeps me trying to see more of Africa because like, I'm more into like African travel. Like I, mm -hmm. and I told this to someone, I told this to someone a couple of times, a couple of uh, days ago that no matter where I find myself on the continent, I always feel like I'm at home. Like, mm. yeah, like I could go to a French, I've been to countries where I don't even speak the language, but I still felt like I wasn't an outsider. I've, I've been invited to homes, I've lived um, with people I didn't know from anywhere, I just met on that very day and invited me over, fed me, gave me somewhere to stay. I've been invited to parties where I didn't know anyone. 
I've interacted with people on like it's amazing how on the continent wherever you go yes we do have our similar uh, our differences but wherever we go it still feels like home to me so it, it's a very eye-opening thing to see that my culture back home is not so different from someone in let's say Rwanda and we still have our uniqueness like it's it's a bit different but we still have our similarities it's crazy it's like it's a paradox like we are different we are not yeah. different at the same time it, it, it's amazing <laughs> i think the continent is very amazing oh that's so beautiful what's your favorite um your favorite country that you visited in africa ah this question <laughs> it's, it's, it's very it's very difficult for me to pick because like um almost every country or every country had something unique that i loved about it but because of my bias towards islands I would say my favorite so far would be the island of South Tomia Principe. Oh, that's on my list. It looks yeah. so nice. It is. It is. It's such a small island and it feels so homely, beautiful beaches, beautiful culture, a lot of mm. seafood. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. Mm, okay, yeah, I definitely need to make a trip there soon. <laughs> yeah. Um so when it comes to Africa and Africans, people around the world have a lot of misconceptions, right? And not right. even just people around the world, even people on the continent have misconceptions about ourselves and our neighbours. Um, right. So, you know, being a proud Ashanti man and also yeah. someone who is passionate about um, African travel and Pan-Africanism in general, What's like one, if you can pick one, or maybe two things that you wish more people understood about Africa? One thing, um, okay, yeah, one thing that comes to mind right now is people from the West or wherever on this world thinking Africa is so different to whatever their life is back there. Like, I've had I've had questions like, oh, wait, you guys have moles? You guys have fun? Like, I don't yeah, do really... You have what? Do you guys have moles, like shopping moles? Like, do you guys... Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, like, people are so surprised that the exact same thing they do wherever they are from is what we are doing here. Africa, mm-hmm. and I really do not blame them because um, the stories they hear and the representation they see of Africa isn't what's really happening here on the continent. So, mm. for instance, the travel clan is so big on representing Africa as it is. So even in our talks to Africa, like when we have people from the diaspora, people outside the continent, we make sure that, yes, as much as you see the party side and the nightlife, you also see the cultural aspects to see that right. Africa is more than um, the walls you see on, on the news. Africa is more than the famine you see in some parts of Africa. Africa isn't mm-hmm. one big country. There are so many different countries and so many different things on the continent. And Africa is so beautiful. That's why we are so particular. My travel company just does tours on the continent because we want mm-hmm. people to see that Africa is very beautiful. Africa isn't one big war torn um country and we're all struggling to get food we we have fun we buy houses we ha- we hang out <laughs> yeah. with our friends we have phones we, we 
<laughs> like, I can literally do everything that's being done everywhere in the world. So that's something I want people to see Africa for what it is and what what um, the media is painting Africa to be. Mm, yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. And I think it's, you know, for some reason, when it comes to the portrayal of Africa, it's, it's often exactly what Chimamanda said, right? It's often a single story. So even right. for the people who know that Africa is not just... Uh, poverty and famine they might still think as you said Africa is just parties or Africa is just wildlife or Africa is just this just that Um, and I think the work that we have to do is because you know it's very easy for us to try and only tell the positive stories because there's so many negative stories out there and I think that the work that have to do is to be like actually all of it exists you know just like in the uk for example there's poverty there's homelessness there's a royal family there's all these different things just like that in african countries there's so many different stories to tell so so many different stories i I totally agree with you so telling our story is very important i think everyone should tell their story because as i said there isn't just one story um I have friends who are struggling in life. I have friends who are like fabulously rich. Different stories. And <laughs> we are all from the same place. We all hang out. You get friends too. So I totally agree. I think telling our stories is important. We shouldn't also just try to um, push just the positives because they are already negative stories. But I believe we should just give the true representation of Africa to people to know that, okay, you, you could literally go to somewhere and someone is like living very poor or poorly but you could also just turn around and you see someone who is rich and has a bentley or a tesla here in ghana so mm-hmm, there are different mm-hmm. stories but we should just be able to or allowed to tell all these stories and not just the one story that the media is pushing about africa mm, yeah i agree i agree um when it comes to black people in the diaspora coming to africa obviously right. you know there is um, there has been a movement of people wanting to visit, uh, people wanting to move, all of that. Um, so, you know, when we're talking about diasporans coming to Africa, it's a bit of a different conversation than talking about the general representation of Africa. So right. let me ask you the same question, but this time relating it just to diasporans. What's one thing you want diasporans to know about Africa? Um, for example, maybe if they're thinking about visiting or even if they're not, um, if they're not able to visit, cause you know, traveling is a privilege that not everyone has. What do you right. want diasporans specifically to know about Africa? Hmm, this is a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very tough one. Um, I think um, I'm going to speak for myself and say that I think Africa is very welcoming to the diaspora. I, I just think if they have the opportunity to, they should come visit Africa. And I pray they don't go back um, with the perception that, let's say if they come to Ghana in December and thinking Ghana is like a party, wherever, mm-hmm. and go back thinking that's what it is, no. I think they should come and experience the true Africa, not the Africa that has been curated for them. So when they come mm. to Ghana, say in December, and they see all these parties, Afro Nation, Afrochella, and other things, and they go back thinking, oh, Ghana is like a party, like 
there are times where there are like hardships. There are times where um, it's the normal routine and there's nothing really going on. There are times where you don't get things done. So I think that's something I want Dutch brands to experience before deciding to move here. Because yes, we, we would love them. We want them to come back with their family, but then they should make sure that they are coming for the right reasons and not something um, a fancy mm-hmm. being sold or something they saw, right? Mm-hmm. That is such a good point. The fantasy they've been sold because there, yeah. there is that element of, uh, you know, glamorizing the move back to the continent when, right. yeah, of course it can be an amazing experience, but it's not necessarily just, you know, all, all roses. <laughs> right. So yeah, I think that's a really good point. Okay, so um, I want to change topic slightly and ask you about your spiritual beliefs. I would love to know if you're open to sharing, um, you know, how you define your spiritual beliefs and how they influence your work. Okay, Um, this is also a very complicated aspect of my life. So I grew (laughs) up a Christian. specifically an Anglican. Um, I think my dad was on a spiritual journey. So at some point we visited quite a number of different churches. So I've been to the Pentecost yeah. church. I've been to the Catholic church. I've been to like quite a number of churches, but we grew, I grew up Anglican. And I think eventually my dad reverted back to our origins and he went back to the Anglican church. So my family is Anglican, but personally, um, I'm still on the journey of like discovering what works for me. I still believe in like the Supreme being, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. But personally, I think the whole idea of religion has become a very difficult um, pill for me to swallow. I, I'm not so enthused about the institution anymore. So if you ask me, I'll describe myself as being spiritual because I don't want to be affiliated to any religion yet or now for for the time being. However, I still believe in my connection with God. I still believe in um, Jesus Christ. I still believe in Allah and everything, but I'm I'm more concerned about my personal connection with God than any doctrine or anything any Mm. religion is trying to peddle. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think a lot of us have gone on a very similar journey. Um, you know, one of the things that happens when you are committed to a spiritual path, but not necessarily a religious path, is that all of a sudden you don't have a very obvious path to follow, you know, right. it's not like, right. okay, go to church on Sunday, meditate on Tuesday, you know, so yeah. um, in your uh, your personal spiritual journey, how do you how do you keep up a spiritual practice when you don't have that step-by-step routine to follow that comes from, for example, Christianity? Right. So um, one thing I picked up from my Christian upbringing was that like, God is my heavenly father. He knows me. Um, he, he's with me all the time and everything. So I don't believe in um, like as, ceremonials like prayer where I get on my knees and just pray. I believe I can, I'm literally talking to God whenever I'm 
moving. You get what I'm trying to say? Like, he's mm-hmm. literally with me all the time. So I don't have, like, a schedule or, like, a routine. Whenever I feel like it, I'm just talking to God, like, hey, mm-hmm. God, like, I'm really going through this and I'll need your help right now. I don't mm-hmm. have, like, morning prayers or evening prayers. I talk to God all the time. I believe he's listening to me all the time. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just do that whenever I feel like I need to speak to him. I just talk to him. And in terms of, yeah, I'm, I'm also trying to, I didn't pick this up because of spirituality, but I just picked it up because of mindfulness, like meditation and whatnot. Like I, sometimes it feels like everything is just crashing down on me. It's a bit overwhelming to, I meditate. Mm-hmm. At, that is very more routine so that I feel at peace. So that is, I think, mm-hmm. one thing I do routinely just to get that peace that I want. But when it's in terms of communicating with, God, I speak to God whenever and however I want to. Mm, I love that, that you can just, you know, it's true. You can just talk to God at any time. It doesn't have to be in a particular building (laughs) or at a particular time. Um, So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And you mentioned mindfulness and meditation there. So how did you get into that? So um, it it, was... it was a bit of research on my part because um, I at some point I just felt like um, everything seemed so overwhelming. Like there was a lot going through me. Maybe I'm an overthinker. Maybe uh, my mind works like on overdrive because like it does. Like I'm always thinking about. I'm always thinking about what's gonna happen. Like next three steps. I'm always um, worrying about what's gonna happen. I'm also some, sort of like a perfectionist. So my mind is always on overdrive. So I just needed something to calm me down. So I did my research and I came across meditation. I tried it and I loved it. And ever since then, I tried to do it as often as I can. And to be honest, I sometimes don't do it because like, again, life happens, but I still try to get back to that routine to make sure that at least I get that moment of peace or that, period of peace to help me take on my day. So I think that is my caffeine. I don't drink coffee, but I think I need that to make sure that I have a great day. Mm, I love that. Mindfulness is my caffeine. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So we've already mentioned a couple of your businesses. Talk to me and then the travel plan. And I know you do some other stuff as well, like you're a content creator. So how do you manage all of these different things these competing projects and timelines aside from you know obviously practicing mindfulness and meditation how do you actually manage to keep everything organized and get everything done well yeah um i think firstly my passion for all these things it's a huge fuel for me to even like start off to begin with like as soon as I lose um, passion for something, I think I'm going to drop it because it then becomes a chore and then it's not as enjoyable as it should be. But what I do is that um, I do a lot of like um, writing down stuff and journaling and to-do lists and stuff like that because as I said, my mind is always racing. Like I'm always thinking about like 10 things at the same time. So if I don't write these things down, like I'm going to lose track of them. Um, mm. This morning, I've had two conversations with two different teams, my talk to me team and the travel plan team. And 
if you know what we're doing for the day, I have what I'm doing for the day written down. So right after this um, podcast, I'm just going to dive into work and I know exactly what to do. So I think what what, what has worked for me is writing down my to-do list and scheduling stuff. If it's not my mm. schedule, I might do it, but the chance of me forgetting is very high. But then if it's on my schedule, like I know I'm going to do it and I'm going to take it off my list. So that's what has been very helpful for me so far. Yeah, that makes sense. I love a good to-do list. It really helps. (laughs) So correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in both of your businesses, you're the CEO, right? Is that correct? In both Talk To Me and Travel Clan? Okay, so um, I've never really, technically it is correct, but I've never really liked the title of a CEO because then it seems like, <laughs> oh my gosh, he has so much, you know. Um, in Talk To Me, we call me the team lead. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but in the travel clan, I'm just a co-founder. So so okay, I don't so... have all that pressure of being like, oh my God, you have to live up to this standard, you have to do this, yeah. Right. Interesting. Okay. So basically you're a very humble leader is, is what you just said. Um, but a leader all the same. So I would love for you to share some advice to our listeners. Um, you know, I think leadership is something that is, uh, you know, I, I think you could even call it a part of your Ashanti heritage. You know, earlier you were saying that Ashanti people are very kind of industrious and, um, you know, some people might call you arrogant, (laughs) but when you put industrious and arrogant together, that makes a leader, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I would, I would love to hear some advice on, uh, you know, on, on stepping into that role of leader of, of CEO, if it's that, or of founder or, uh, you know, also following your passions, all of those things kind of come under that banner of leadership. So if you could share some advice for our listeners who maybe want to step more into that role. Okay, so the first thing I would say is believe in yourself, like have that self-confidence. Um, don't be arrogant, but get your <laughs> confidence, you know, like, because people can feel that energy, you know, wherever you are and your confidence. That's what a leader is supposed to do because Everyone is kind of like looking up to you to help um, direct the ship. If you're not confident in what you're doing, they can feel it. They can tell that, nah, this isn't really working. Like, he doesn't really know what he's doing. So, self confidence is very key. Believe in yourself. And um, as much as we are humans and we love validation from people, make sure you are your first um, um, contact for validation. Know that, hey, whatever I'm doing, I'm good with what I'm doing. Then you move on with it. So, yeah. Self-confidence is very key. Secondly, be a good listener. You know, um, people love it when they feel heard. And being a leader, you're going to be dealing with a lot of people. Just listen. Practice active listening. Not just listen to answer, but listen to understand. Make sure your doors are open for people to talk to you about whatever. Because the people is the backbone of the business whatever business is the people without the people it's really not going to work you could have like amazing tech amazing software but you still need people to make sure that all the wheels are turning so be good at listening and picking out points and knowing how to address them and also um 
that she didn't you shouldn't try to create like a divide like put yourself on like on this pedestal that okay i'm the leader and all of you are like no like mm. it should be a way that everyone feels involved everyone feels like okay we're on the same level like a flat leadership kind of thing it makes it easier mm. for people to listen to you when you say okay this is the direction we are going in or when you make decisions people buy in because at the end of the day they feel like their inputs have been taken they, they were heard and whatever you are deciding on their inputs was taken so i think these are a couple of things if you want to be a good leader or a good founder or whatever um you should really practice or like make sure you have a hang on to help you to become um a good leader mm, thank you those are really good pieces of advice so uh, we're coming into the final couple of questions. This last question is the big one. Okay. Uh, what's the legacy you want to leave behind? What's the, I'm sorry, I didn't touch that. The legacy that you want to leave behind. Wow, this is, this is a big one. This is a big yeah. one. Um, so I'm, I'm going to... Um, address this um, question based on like the two things I'm doing right now, like talk to me and the travel plan. Either ways, I want to leave an impactful mark on the continent, be it that like, um, I help start like a movement where Africans freely and like confidently address mental health or um, their emotional well-being, or I help promote Africans to be more proud of where they are from and um, encourage other Africans visiting African countries like right, right on the continent. So both ways, it's really gonna be like a huge legacy for me. Either um, the travel crown becomes um, the biggest representation of Africa in the sense that it promotes African tourism and it makes people see that, okay, Africa isn't just, um, that one story they see on social media, but Africa is very diverse and very beautiful and everyone wants to visit Africa. And even Africans want to visit other African countries. I'll be good, I'll be so happy. And I'll be like, okay, the travel clan has done this job. Or um, mm -hmm. talk to me, um, create this platform where now Africans, it's not, it's not stigmatized anymore. Like you can literally get the mental and emotional support you need from like professional um, therapists or professional healers or conflict or whoever it may be and everyone the content is basically more happy and more um, well in that regard those are the two things mm. i really want to leave at the end of the day awesome yeah and you're already on the way so that's good news yes thank you so much okay so um please let the listeners know where they can connect with you okay so um in all things regarding travel or the travel plan, um, you can see us on all social media platform at the travel plan underscore. And be it and for the mental wealth and emotional well-being aspect, you could get us on all social media platforms at Talk to Me HQ. And um, as I've been saying on this podcast, these two are these two are something or I think that are very dear to me and I'm very passionate about and we would gladly work with anyone and would appreciate the support we get on our journey. Mm, thank you so much. Thank you so well, much. Well, we've Arara. come to the end of our conversation, but this has been 
Really interesting. Thank you so much for sharing so openly. And thank you so much for having me here, Araba. It has been very um, freeing. I haven't spoken about <laughs> most of these before, so it's like it's. I'm very happy that I was able to express all this here, and it might help someone somewhere. Definitely, I'm sure it will. Thanks, Caleb. Thank you so much, Araba. As always, thank you so much for listening and don't forget to subscribe. If you learned something valuable today, then please don't keep it to yourself. Share the love by leaving a rating or review and tell a friend. You can connect with me over on Instagram at araba.oa and I hope to see you back here for the next episode. In the meantime, keep drinking from the source.